And welcome back to another episode of Lost of Down. I'm your host, Stephen Weed. Of course, always joining me. This time in Cleveland, Ohio, made the trek as this man is on the way to Vegas for the 2022 NFL Draft. The man, the myth, Fatatui himself, Mr. Walter Lukashensky. Wally, I'm sure all the people have seen the reel that I you know, that we had posted here on the Instagram about you in the throne last year at the NFL Draft. Do you think that the Fatatui fit is going to make it this year? Are you going to be on that stage? I have to start with that, first of all. Greatest sound, greatest week, greatest few days in sports. I would love to tell you Fatatui is going to make it onto national television again. I just don't think it's all that likely. Last year, I had the benefit of being a Raiders fan on the road. This is uncharted water for me. We're going to actually have Wally around other Raider fans in their natural environment, which is, it's something I've not really gotten used to. Even in the past when I went to Vegas, it was a bye week for the Raiders. So I didn't even get to see that same kind of spark. This is really that first closest thing I've ever at this point gotten to a home field advantage for the Raiders, regardless of what it turns out, I guess, like what we do, if we get on TV or not, it's going to be so much fun. I cannot wait, man. Five days in Vegas, gorgeous weather, and even better, NFL football, NFL draft. Yeah, it's going to be dangerous. I'm praying for you. And as my first experience going up to Lambeau, because I was the same way, there's not a lot of Packers fans, just crowds of them where I've lived in North Carolina and Ohio. But it's almost like when you get there, you're like, oh, my God, a Packers fan. No shit, I'm in the middle of Green Bay. You're going to stop yourself. Like, oh, my God, a Vegas Raiders fan in Vegas. I guess that kind of adds up. But <laughs> it's going to be sweet. It's, like, it's almost like a homecoming. You're going to the home that you've never – specifically called your hometown but it just feels right it feels very right and what worries me is that i don't have the self-control to walk into las vegas to not only not gamble on the nhl nba playoffs mlb baseball i'm going to be gambling on the nfl draft i'm going to be exposed to raiders stores on every corner there's a real chance that i just never make it back and that's I think the only thing we got to really, I guess, hold out hope for one way or another, I guess at home, they might be rooting for me to stay out there too. Hey, it's all good. Hey, phone, wallet, keys, maybe mask. I don't know how they're doing it out there. As long as you got those four, you can literally pick up and start your life anywhere. And the laptop. Do not forget the laptop as well as your microphone. (laughs) Yeah. Well, at that point, I think if we're just staying out there, it's the ship has sailed. I'm just going to be one of the people at that point, just disappear. There we go. That's that's the Wally I know. Now I know we're talking a lot about a lot about the draft here. That's going to come up here shortly. We do want you to know this episode is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the premier Delta Eight edible on the market. T A B E A S E dot com. Make sure to use promo code Football for twenty percent off that first order, as well as free shipping. Before we get into the NFL draft talks, what's kind of happened here the past couple of weeks? We want to go over to a couple fun stories that we had here. None other then yes, another Capital One's The Match is going to be played June 1st, 6.30 p.m. in Las Vegas. Except this time, we have no golfers. You got Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady versus Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen. Now, this is interesting. Obviously, the Capital One matches that they've had here have brought in a lot of viewership. It's been awesome. Not only that, you get get to see the the golfers, and I guess in, in this case, the amateur golfers, which is weird. They're professional athletes, and we're calling them amateur golfers. But you get to hear them mic'd up, talk a little bit of trash, kind of get an insight of what it's like being on the course with them, minus a couple of the beers being thrown back. But how do you feel about this this match this year? And Are you looking excited to it as much as the ones previous, or what are your thoughts here, Walter? No, to answer your question, I am a little bit less excited than I usually would be. At some point, I feel like we're almost watering it down a little bit. And not having actual professional golfers in this makes me feel a little skeptical on whether or not I think it's going to go as well or be taken as seriously. Because at the end of the day, when it was Tiger and Phil or Brooks and uh, whatever the Bryson DeSambo is, yep. they had a kind of this personal rivalry and a little bit of you know reputation on the line. This is what they do. But now it's four quarterbacks that don't really have that expectation to perform well we saw Tom Brady do about as poorly as somebody could do in a an event like this a few years ago if he didn't just love and we love seeing that can he do it again you know he's gonna you know he's just been grinding on the golf course since then 
Oh, you know, he absolutely took it personally. Like he's got like a golf coach now and he's doing practice swings. So it'll, I'm sure it'll be fun. It's just at some point, like that first two or three, it was like much watch TV. And right now, if I miss it, I'm probably going to be okay. Just watching the highlights back. Wow. I'm going to watch it strictly because you guessed it. We love gambling on anything (laughs) and anything that we can. So you know that I'll be gambling and I'm going to watch. I'm pumped. I get to see Aaron Rodgers. Hopefully he can help his self-image here that he's kind of tarnished over the past couple off seasons. Highly doubt that. I'd argue you're probably going to have more people hate him than you than you will like him after this. That dude can throw the sticks around, though. He is good at golf. I don't know about Pat Mahomes. Don't know about Josh Allen at all. I did see Pat Mahomes play with Travis Kelsey in that Pro-Am in Lake Tahoe last year, which is awesome. That is a bucket list thing, just to pull up on, pull up on the water, ride in the boat, watch a bunch of celebs tee off. They're, they are throwing some back there on that on that particular tournament, so it's a blast. But, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I wouldn't be a big fan of Phil Mickelson uh, teamed up with, like, Patrick Cantlay versus Tiger Woods and Xander Schauffele played, like, flag football. It wouldn't really be as fun. But at the end of the day, something else to gamble on, Wally. That's all that matters, dude. Yeah, and, and again, it'll be entertaining. So I'm not trying to say it's not going to be fun. If you enjoy it, have fun watching it. I'm just kind of lukewarm to me now. Now, we did have a couple – we had a contract extension. We finally had a very seasoned veteran find a home here in this offseason, his third team in three years. And I'm going to start off with the man getting paid up in Cleveland, Denzel Ward, becoming the highest played cornerback, paid cornerback, excuse me, in NFL history. And this happened here last Monday. Five year, $100.5 million, 71 and a half mil guaranteed. Cleveland apparently just opened up their bank accounts here this offseason. They locked down Denzel Ward, who's easily a top three cornerback in the league. Smart move. Do you think that Denzel was worthy enough to be the highest paid cornerback in NFL history? Yeah, for what he is, and everybody knows that has been able to watch him, if he's on the field, and that's his biggest question mark, he is an exceptional corner. And what happens in all facets of life, but football too, where we have seen such a powerful push for wide receivers it's a guns race. It's an arms race. And when you have arms races, what do you have to do? You also have to have something that is going to counteract that other person's weapons. So at some point, the cornerbacks are going to start getting paid more for paying five year, $110 million deals to wide receivers. Now it's natural to expect the exact same thing in return. And you know how these things happen when you do reset a market too. Within three years, we might be looking back and calling this a bargain deal. There are so many cornerbacks, and with we're about to bring up Stephon Gilmore. These veteran guys, they start kind of losing a little bit once they get to 30, and they're still getting pretty big money, big tickets here. You might as well go with a guy like Denzel Ward, bet a little bit, even with the risk of injuries right now, especially while the Browns seemingly have a Super Bowl window opening up and getting pretty big here, at least for the next year or so. It's hard to find that guy to just be able to lock down that side of the field, you know, that particular number one wide receiver. And Denzel Ward has consistently done that. And to your point, kind of him getting on the field, he's I think he's only missed about four games over the past two seasons. But still, it feels like he's always leaving games early. When he's on the field, you, you can't doubt him. You can look at the pick six to start the game against uh, on the first drive against Cincinnati here uh, when they played the Browns early, earlier this year. So we got J- Jalen Ramsey. Denzel Ward, only two cornerbacks that are averaging 20-plus mil annual salary. Do you think that there's other cornerbacks that are worthy of that price tag right now? See, and the thing is, even if they aren't right now, you still reach and you pay that value for that guy because of what the market reset. We saw recently with the wide receivers, we made jokes about Christian Kirk. He signed a four-year, $84 million deal. He He turned the whole NFL upside down when he signed that deal. Yeah, exactly. And if he was getting that much money, we saw what happened with the bigger name guys. Very similar. It's going to be a cornerback too. You're going to see guys sit out and want more money. And I just want to point out one other thing here. And this doesn't affect Denzel Ward as much, but there are going to be in the 2023 Brown season, Miles Garrett's going to be making $29 million guaranteed. Amari Cooper is going to be on the saddle for 23. Deshaun Watson will be on the books for 54. That's $103 million guaranteed right now, just between three players. And there were a lot of discussions coming out of those coaches meetings last couple of weeks that people were a little frustrated with the Haslam's and 
Andrew Barry just because the Browns are kind of really setting the the standard for guaranteed NFL contracts. And for a long time, NFL owners got off lucky, unlike other professional sports where these deals aren't fully guaranteed. We're starting to see it not just with quarterbacks, but for other positions too. Very, well, very fun times for to be an NFL player, at least in terms of making payment. Well, it's funny because everyone's are everyone is claiming the Browns are starting this. Kirk Cousins has been doing this his past three contracts with the Minnesota Vikings. He's gotten guaranteed. He's got a fully guaranteed contract, two fully guaranteed extensions in the time he's in Minnesota. If anyone, I'm I'm tipping my hat to Kirk Cousins. He was that first, second, third domino to fall. All of a sudden, here comes Cleveland giving everyone guaranteed money, fully guaranteed contracts, at least at least for Deshaun Watson. And at this point, I think that that's what the NFL is going to come to. I'm surprised that out of all the sports, NFL is not the one having fully guaranteed money. I get it, not paying, maybe not 100 mil fully guaranteed. Maybe we bump it down a little bit for whatever the market's going to be, but fully guarantee these guys. Ryan Chase here barely was able to walk ever again. That ha- That can happen on every single play in the NFL. These guys are literally giving their bodies, their minds, their their mentals, their chickens, as Marshawn Lynch calls them. You got to give them fully guaranteed contracts. And when you do, good for them, man. Good for them. That's going to send generations of their family up. You're right. And we're moving that direction as well. The only concern would be if we're kind of getting to a point, like Major League Baseball, that you're going to see certain owners willing to basically spend that guaranteed money be more of that high end price tag team where you're going to have others that are okay only spending 75% of your cap if it's guaranteed because at the end of the day there's still going to be plenty or making plenty of money from what TV revenue sharing from all these other creative ways owners do incentivize yep. bad owners and bad teams still I mean we talk about ticket revenue sharing too with uh, Dan Snyder and how these bad teams are still making a lot of money just because, I mean, that the NFL is so profitable right now. So that's the only downside. But I do think that you're going to see fully guaranteed NFL deals become pretty much the norm within the next few years. Now, we'll keep it on. I know you kind of alluded to it here a little bit earlier, but Stefan Gilmore finds a new home and the Indianapolis Colts. He does sign a two-year deal. Mostly going to be incentive-based, incentive but he's still getting a pretty – Pretty solid contract. He proved that he still has a little bit left on the tank there in Carolina. We'll see what he's actually going to look like because we all know he was cut somewhat towards the tail end of his prime. Bill Belichick must be onto something. But I don't know. I think he finds a great home in Indianapolis. That defense has a star in every single level of that defense. That's going to be fun. I think that he found a really good fit. They were looking for them after trading Rocky Asin to your Vegas Raiders in exchange for Yannick Ngakwe. So they got Yannick Defoe up on that line. You got the maniac Darius Leonard in the middle of that defense, quarterbacking your defense at linebacker. Then you got a nice, what, Kenny Moore as well as Stephon Gilmore there in the secondary. They have a solid defense, but it's the AFC South. I thought he was going to end up reuniting with Josh McDaniels there in Vegas. Are you upset? Because that's obviously a key, a piece that you do need. Are you upset to see him not land with you? And how do you think his fit is in with uh, Indianapolis? I was, you know, obviously if you have a shiny toy, you think it's going to make your team better. You're a little disappointed it's not yours, but I do think I would have preferred to address the safety position. So I'm holding out hope there. For the Colts, this was a whole time. Matthew. I know. That's why I I don't want to get too excited. I think that'll be something that we see after the draft because I I think I even said it a couple weeks ago. A lot of these veteran guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball, there's not really the urgency to sign right now. You might as well see how teams draft, where teams might have a need or where you might want to, or find yourself best equipped to extend your own NFL career. And Gilmore saw a great opportunity in Indianapolis. It should be a really good defense at all three levels. And yeah, you lose Rocky Asin, but you said it, they got Yannick Ngakwe and he's a very young entering the prime of his career pass rusher who showed that he's, I mean, in all of his stops here the last few years, anywhere he, anywhere he goes, he can be. I don't understand where he's, why they keep letting him go. He's been nothing but a stud for what? It was Jacksonville, Minnesota, I think he went to Baltimore for a little bit, then he went to Vegas. Like, my goodness. He's, yeah, he's turning into the defensive side of the ball's Brandon Cooks. The production's there. It's just he keeps getting kind yeah, of tossed it. place to place, and 
you just think at some point it's going to be where it sticks. I, I don't know why it wouldn't be there in uh, Indianapolis, but back to Gilmore too, he, it is incentive-based. And that's smart on his side too. Cause what last year he probably played only about 30% of snaps on that side of the ball. But when he was out there, he looked like himself. And this is a safe deal for Indianapolis. Cause if he is over to Hill, he can't play those extended snaps. You're not really bankrupting yourself. But then if he is got a lot more in the tank, they hit a home run on this. It's a team friendly deal. And now they can really focus on the offset offensive side of the ball in this draft. Because right now, that's the only thing that I think really separates them from the other AFC contenders. Because right now, I think they're without a doubt most equipped to win the AFC South going into 2022. Well, we said the same thing, too, before. Uh, Tennessee kind of got off to that hot start, and then they got lucky in a few games, and next thing you know, they're the one seed. So I don't want to burn myself too much and jump all the way on the Colts bandwagon because it burned me a little bit towards the tail end of last year. I was hot towards the middle of the season, but – all the signs should be pointing to Indianapolis clearly being the dominating factor. I mean, you know, Houston's not going to be anything. Maybe ten or maybe Jacksonville takes that few game leap, maybe get into like the six or seven win range. But this should be a runaway for Indianapolis with a way better quarterback than he had at Carson Wentz. A what is on paper looks like a way better defense. Only time will tell. You know, with you know with injuries in the off season and the workouts and everything that goes off, we'll see how the draft looks as well this weekend. And we'll kind of go on it from there. Now let's go it to the other quick. side of the ball. Last thing I'll say. Okay. Thing, <laughs> okay. Chris Ballard is one of the best GMs in sports right now. And this fucking is the, dog. Dude, he's so good. And at this time of year, he it, it's so hard for general managers to own a mistake and own it early. And he did it so well with Carson Wentz and say, you know what? This isn't a fit. I'm going to get a couple thirds back. Even though we lost this trade, you see so many teams almost go down with the ship or go down with their poor decisions, yep. just willing it to change. Instead, now you have a, a very, I guess, talent-equipped GM that knows that all he really needs to address, albeit they don't have a ton of picks, but they're going to have a, a couple needs that this is the year to have them in a draft class like this, wide receivers. It's one of the deepest wide receiver classes we've seen in a long time. You can still look interior offensive line. They could use another tackle. It This is the perfect draft for the Colts setup-wise. In the way Ballard's performed lately, there's no reason to believe that they can't be a realistic Super Bowl threat if they hit on a couple of these picks early on. We'll see. We'll see if Jonathan Taylor can pick up where he left off last year. But you said, you said it best, which is going to be their Achilles heel. Who are they throwing to? Right? You got – I think your number one receiver, well, at least Michael Pittman, yeah, he's there. But your number two, Zach Pascal, he gone. T.Y. Hilton, he's still throwing free agency. You can get him for cheap. I don't know if you want. I still think that they bring in – why not bring in Julio Jones, draft a, a couple day two, maybe a day two wide receiver, day three wide receiver, see who else is out there, kind of go on it from there. I think that they're set up perfectly. As long as they adjust the wide receiver uh, need that they, that they have in the draft, I think they'll be fine. Now – before I was really interrupted, let's flip it to the other <laughs> side of the ball. We've been talking about cornerbacks. This is perfect because now we're talking about why Indianapolis needs a receiver. And the wide receiver drama will not stop right now. So let me gloss over this. This isn't anything big. It's just on here. You can tell this is a, a little bit of a bias show. Sammy Watkins signs a one-year deal up to $4 million with the Green Bay Packers. I don't know what the fuck they're doing. I don't know why they would pick this guy up out of any any other wide receiver that's on the market. I think this is a really dumb move. I do want to get your two cents about it. I'm not going to knock them for going after a receiver like Sammy Watkins if he truly is going to be wide receiver three, even wide receiver at four. I'm, I've never understood well, that's this. The thing. That's the thing. He's, he's like two right now, if not one. Like that's our number one right now. I still take Lazard, not getting into that whole can of worms again. But I would take Lazard first. And then I do believe that this is the year that Green Bay, whether it's because they they use their draft picks to trade for an established wide receiver, or if they're going to actually pick one with these, what, 22 and 29 this year, which is unbelievable to say because Green Bay doesn't take skill positions in the first round. Between receivers, I want to say receivers, running backs, and maybe it was even corners, they have not taken one in the first round since 2004. 
It's not what they do there. I'll take, I'll take you one back. They got Jari Alexander in the first round four years ago. Other than that, you're dead on. Well, then it was not, there was another position outside a corner that it might have been tight end. Wide receiver, running back, and tight end, honestly. Yeah, that it's was probably what it was. Like Either way, 2004 was the last time an offensive skill position player was taking their first. There's reason to believe that they won't do it again. It's a part of the culture in Green Bay that they – kind of like Pittsburgh, believe that they can get wide receiver talent later in the draft. I'm not going to waste it early. You hear how we talk about running backs early in the draft. It's very similar. I I think that wide receiver, it's a little bit different with the changing game. But I do think Sammy Watkins is going to be the third or fourth guy. I just don't think you can expect too much from him. And at least credit to you for not talking yourself into it, like the homes of the last four destinations that he's gone to. No, he hasn't. He hasn't played in all sixteen games since his rookie year. Hasn't eclipsed a thousand yards since his second year. I mean, this dude cannot stay in the field. And even when he stays on the field, he's not productive. Three of those years, even a couple of those, he was he was able to stay on the field. I don't even think he eclipsed over like seven fifty or eight hundred yards. Those three years with Pat Mahomes, like I can't get behind it. And there's there's no reason that I think that an injury prone player coming up to Green Bay, where it's a lot colder. The hits are a lot more bone chilling that he's going to be any better. All of a sudden, it's just going to kind of flip a switch with him. He's like, okay, I'm going to be the guy Buffalo thought I was six years ago. I just don't see it. No, you shouldn't. If Patrick Mahomes couldn't do it, that's the easiest thing that people are using to talk. Oh, well, he has Aaron Rodgers now. He had Patrick Mahomes before. He had Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill to protect him before. Now he's going to a situation where, best case scenario, it's what, a very high-end rookie receiver and Robert Tunyon. And that's in an aging Aaron Rodgers, too. At some point, you know he's going to serve at some point, too. <laughs> yeah, Randall Cobb. That, very good point. I forgot. I could even 50, say that with a straight face. Yeah. What, I was going to say the 50-year-old Randall Cobb that Rodgers was adamant to bring back. So that's good. Yep. And now it all makes sense. Uh, now, a few weeks away from the offseason. But let's, well, let's keep with this wide receiver train the main reason I want to get out or the main reason I want to talk about is obviously not Sammy Watkins. We got Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown, as well as DK Metcalf all expected to look for a contract extensions going into this year. Now everyone, but DK in that. So Debo, Terry, AJ Brown are all expected to hold out and not participate in offseason programs without that new contract. So when I was writing this, I was like, wow, maybe the wide receivers are not done being traded. Lo and behold, a couple of days later, here we are with Debo Samuel requesting a trade from San Francisco because of his usage, not a fan, as well as wanting to get a new contract, being one of the highest paid wide receivers in the league. So Debo Samuel, the first domino to fall this time around. Do you think that San Francisco will get rid of him? If they do, what is the price? And now the three that we have there on the rundown, not including DK, which one is most likely to be traded away? I would say most likely of the three would be Debo, but I don't think any of these three get moved. This is the almost the, the, the problem of the fallout of the wide receiver explosion we've had this offseason, but these three guys are all cheap. These three guys are on that rookie deal, and I, I understand the, the desire to be paid more, especially when you are in a position that, I mean, you see it all the time, how quickly things can go wrong with injuries, and then you never make the money that you probably deserved. But these teams don't have to do, or that's not their problem. If I have you on the books cheap, I'm going to get a King's ransom for you where you're going to sit out for the year because I'm not going to try to trade you away, even if it's on the other conference. If I'm not getting anything back or value, at some point the owners are going to, and the teams are going to start putting their heels in the sand, say, hey, we've kind of actually started catering to the players' needs if you've been unhappy, we've been trying to fix it. You got to help us out too when we're trying to win Super Bowls and you are a key factor for all three of those teams to be a Super Bowl threat. They're going to need elite seasons out of these three receivers. I don't think any of them move. Okay. Well, I didn't include DK. Do you think DK gets moved? He is a better chance. If DK moves, then you are going to see the Seahawks fully embrace a rebuild. If they go after a Baker Mayfield and keep DK, that would be almost more of what we've seen with Atlanta and Matt Ryan, and they kind of are towing the middle of the the road 
and not really sure if they're going to go all in or kind of tank a little bit. That's the only one of the four I would see possibly being moved. Maybe Indianapolis is in talks. Maybe they're in talks with Debo because, you know, San Francisco has had their line blow up just a, just a smidge since this Debo news came out, as well as I definitely think Debo's gone. There's a video on Instagram posted here. I think that he was out somewhere in San Francisco and he was getting bottle service. There's one of those signs that they had with like the the fire, one of the sparklers coming out and said, Debo is staying, staying a 49er. And it just cuts to Debo saying, Mm-mm, no, Debo's gone. I don't know where he's going, but that man's gone. And they, I think San, San Fran can get an arm and a leg for him. San Francisco is going to offer him a lot of money, though. People keep forgetting that Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not about is, the money, baby. It ain't about the money. It might not be about the money, but if they offer him a ton and it's literally sit out or sign the deal, what's he going to do? He's not going to sit out. He's not going to sit out for two years. He's the first wide receiver in of all time that's saying, I'm getting the ball too much. And I, under, I understand where he, where he's coming from. He doesn't like his usage. He doesn't like the split Cordell or Patterson role. He's taken too many hits at such a young age where it's going to lower his shelf life as a wide receiver, which I get. The dude doesn't need to make doesn't need to take any more hits than he already is. And you're going to give him the running back. Now you're just expediating the process. I understand his frustration. Come on, don't be a football player off of the team and then bitch about being a football player and doing everything for your team. More or less all I'm saying is San Francisco will have the money to pay him. If they decide that they will not move on from him, then it's completely in Debo Samuel's corner. It's going to be you lady on belly yourself, or you're going to sign a massive deal and enjoy being on a really good football team that's going to use you quite a bit. Man, what if Lev Bell never did that? Where would he be? Great question. It's not even worth thinking about. No, it's not. It's not. With that, that's going to bring us to the end of all of our wide receiver, our offseason stuff. I'll let Wally toss it over here for his interview that he had with his buddy, Mr. Tyler, I believe. Yeah, Tyler Frajofsky. I'm excited for you guys to hear this. Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's his last name? Frajofsky. Frajofsky and Lukashensk. Okay. Yeah, I, I was going to say, but the last two names coming together, it's it's something really. But. <laughs> He's been going to the draft with me since it started traveling. So we've been Chicago, Philadelphia, Dallas, Nashville, Cleveland. It's been a lot of fun. So I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing this interview. And it sounds like we're both going to be doing our best to, you know, keep some pictures, get some videos, some fun stuff all around in Vegas. Keep your eye out for let's that. Try to, let's try to like a, snap a GoPro on that forehead and just let you cruise around. Exactly. One of these days and I'll go hip up mode in the water and you'll just have the tiny little Cam on the top of the head. That's my man. But either way, again, hope you guys enjoy. Throw it over now to Tyler Fajowski. There's a red moon rising on the Cuyahoga River, rolling into Cleveland to the lake. There's a red And now we get to welcome on a very special guest, Tyler Frajofsky. You guys have been hearing me talk about this guy for a long time. We're actually in Vegas. So as you're hearing this, this is going to be jumping forward in the future by a couple days because Steven and I recorded about 48 hours before. We're going to be talking since then. Trayvon Walker is now actually the favorite to be the number one draft pick. But before we get into all of that, I'm going to hand it over to Tyler. You've been going with this or going with me to the draft. Since this started traveling to Chicago, can you tell us first of all why you're you're a diehard draft fan and a little bit about yourself before we get into anything else? Yeah, I fell in love with the draft because I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. So over the course of my life, I've had plenty of top 10 draft picks, top five draft picks, and even multiple number one overall draft picks. So it was really easy to fall in love with the draft considering how much spotlight my team gets. Uh, and it's usually the only time of year where there might be some some positive spotlight. So usually the best time of the year for my football team. Well, that's the reason why I think you and I bonded immediately, too, is that you and I, I was a Raiders fan, you were a Browns fan. And in 2012, when we met at Ohio State, 
it was really the dog days for both of our teams. It was like you almost wanted to lose the games when we played each other because we were draft guys. And I'd be rather picking in the top 10 than winning a meaningless game when the Raiders are four and nine against the probably at that point, three and 10 Browns fighting for draft position. So anyways, I want to throw it over to you. We've been doing this again for a while. Can you tell me a couple of your favorite stories? We've been seeing the Baker Mayfield drafted number one. We've seen Miles Garrett drafted number one. A lot of Brown stuff. Yeah, I definitely think that in terms of my team drafting, Dallas was by far the best because we drafted Baker Mayfield number one overall and then Denzel Ward uh, at number four. So that was fun. And then even on day two, we ended up getting Nick Chubb, which at the time I didn't think much of. I actually hated that pick. But uh, that turned out great looking back on it. Uh, By far for the draft in terms of the best city and the best, like, event nashville has definitely been by far the best in my opinion so i'm excited to see what vegas does and has to offer and i think it'll be nashville and vegas uh, at the at the as the two best by the time the end of the weekend is done here and we are in vegas like i mentioned at the start of this we got in today and boy was it a long day i like to joke around and you do too because a lot of people always are like wally can i go with you to the draft tyler can i go with you to the draft And what we always have to tell you guys is no, this is a lot less fun than you guys would think. This turns more into a job. Like for instance, just today, we wake up five o'clock, four 30 for you. We hop on a flight. We're big boys. We're big guys. We're struggling in spirit. They're trying to squeeze us in. It is tight. You get off. You're already jet lagged. And then what do we do? We went out on like a three mile hike to go to the draft station Not because we want to see it and take pictures like everybody else, but because we were scouting. We were scouting to know where we have to be on Thursday and Friday. This is not fun. Okay, can you explain to someone at home what really goes on if you're going to go there for the 12 hours a day like you and I do? Yeah, it's for the normal person, it's not fun. Um, (laughs) We're going to spend a lot of time in line. Because in order to get into the actual draft stage, it's first come, first serve. So, you know, we'll get there early to just stand in a line. The other thing we've noticed over the years of doing this is is that the draft event is exactly the same. It is just in a different city. So all of the other attractions, we are going to walk right past because we have now seen them five or six times. And we're going to just basically stand in line. And if we don't get in at the beginning, we're going to watch, you know, on the first round, especially it goes kind of late. You're going to get to pick like 23 and you're going to see the masses filing out. And me and Wally will still be there (laughs) all the way to pick 32. And we might not even be in yet. And we're still going to be there. So it's a long night. And uh, yeah, a lot of standing around just waiting and you don't even get the analysis that you do when you watch it on TV because you don't get to hear Mel Kuyper. It's all yourself. You had to be prepared going in. Yeah. It's literally just, they come out, make the pick and you get to listen to Colleen Wolf, which is always fun. But you don't even get the analysis of or the videos of the film of breaking the, the players down. So it is a little bit of a grind. You got to want it. And uh, we'll see. And he didn't even get enough credit there, too. Because last year, I'm sure a lot of you remember, because we made it a big deal. I accidentally got on the stage for the NFL draft. And that would not have been possible had it not been for Tyler. As many of you probably know, last year was in Cleveland. A lot of you guys that listen to this are from Cleveland. He's a diehard Browns fan like he just mentioned. What did he do last year when 90% of the people there because of the COVID crowd were Browns fans? He threw on a Raiders overcoat at the last possible minute because that was the only way we could get into this this the draft set. And he was like, you know what? I'll be that Raiders fan. You go up on stage. Let's see what happens and go figure my dumbass a year later is wearing an apron and a Raiders hat. So really didn't do a good job in service. But people at home have to realize Tyler is 99% of the reason that happened. And also for the people at home, happy birthday to Tyler. You won't know that until after. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) There you go. There you go, Tyler. You're the man. (laughs) Well, before we actually wrap up, because it's going to be quick, like I said, this first one. You guys will hear it again next week when we come back. He'll do it kind of after the draft. We'll probably recap that as well. But I want to talk to you a couple things first. The Browns aren't going to be drafting in the first round like usual. They're not picking until pick 44. The Raiders, like myself, they're not picking until the third round. We're not going to be doing much on the first day. 
What are you kind of looking forward to? Is there like maybe a player you're really excited to see where he goes or perhaps maybe a guy that might fall to you guys in a second round? Yeah, I'm very intrigued. I think the top main topics of the first round are where do the quarterbacks go and where and how many of these wide receivers go. And especially the Ohio State guys. Obviously, we care about them. We want to see where they go. Hopefully, they go very early. Um, in terms of players and overall Brown strategy, I know that this front office is not going to not have a first-round pick for three consecutive years after this, the Deshaun Watson trade. That's just not how this front office rolls. They're way too analytical. So I don't know how they're going to get their hands on a first-round pick over the next couple of years, but they're going to. Um, so we'll see if there's a trade. I also think it's a coin flip 50 50 at best that we pick at 44 whether that means that we move back or that we move up i could see that happening andrew berry loves to wheel and deal so if there's a player that they liked and maybe had a first round grade on and falls to 37 38 40 i wouldn't be surprised at all if we trade up we have a couple extra picks in the later rounds and then the other big thing that may, maybe will happen on saturday for the browns is does baker mayfield get traded so even though we don't have a first round pick the Browns, like always, have a lot of talk to talk about on draft day. That's very well said. And and we will see on Baker Mayfield. We've been talking about that at nauseum, like everybody in the world has. Interested to see where he does end up. But where do you think the Browns are going to look in the second round? Is this You've been really high in the idea of defensive tackle. People are still throwing out the idea of potentially a wide receiver. Is there a player maybe or a position you think, is it best available? How do you think the Browns are actually looking at this? I think it's there's three positions. Any position on the defensive line, defensive tackle would be great, but we also need another edge uh, opposite of Miles Garrett. Offensive line and wide receiver. You know, we have Jack Conklin going into the last year of his deal this year, so drafting a young tackle to sit behind him in his rookie year and then take over for him after Conklin Lee is most likely going to be leaving. I could see happening. We also have a very young center that's slated to start uh, this year, Nick Harris. And wide receiver is a huge need. Personally, the player that I have my eyes on would be George Pickens. Kind of seems like a pipe. Kind of seems like a pipe dream right now. I don't know that he'll be there at 44, but if he falls, maybe he's one of the guys that we trade up for. I think the only player that I don't want is Carlaftis uh, out of Purdue. I just don't see it for him as an edge rusher. Uh, so if he falls and we trade up for him out of the edge, guys, he's the only one that I uh, I'd be bummed out about. I personally like Jermaine Johnson, uh, but the Browns front office has so many weird things. Like they won't draft a player over 22 years old and he's over 22. So I would like, he's off their board. Um, they have a lot of weird things like that, but I think George Pickens would definitely be a target of theirs. If he falls into the second round, I could see trading up for sure for him. Well, and this is also one of the things I enjoy so much about our friendship with the, the actual draft process is a lot of people. I feel like even college football fans, don't know about guys like George Pickens because of what happened with the injury last year and Georgia goes on to win a national title without him. What people do forget is before his own injury, he was one of the most explosive wide receivers in the entire country. And there's no reason to believe that he can't get back. We're so quick to say guys like Jamison Williams are going to be completely fine. I don't know why George Pickens is completely forgotten about. Also got to give you props too, because you've been really high on Trayvon Walker since the combine. I know a lot of people were since the combine. But you really thought that he, there was a chance that this guy could go top five. At that point, top ten would have been crazy. He's now looking at it to be number one pick. Gut feeling. Are you buying all the smoke right now, or do you think Aiden Hutchinson still might be the number one overall pick? Yeah, before the Deshaun Watson trade happened and the Browns had their first-round pick, he was my guy because I thought that he might be one of the edge rushers that was overlooked and he could get to where the Browns were picking in the early teens there. Uh, I don't believe the hype. I think Aiden Hutchinson is still going to be the number one overall pick. I just, it's really hard for me to justify taking a defensive end number one overall who doesn't have no that much production. Um, I think I saw a report where Trent Balky wanted one guy, uh, Doug Peterson wanted one guy, and then Shad Khan wanted another guy, and Cod wanted Aiden Hutchinson. And I feel like oftentimes the owner has the final say. So I still personally think Hutchin, he's plus money right now. So I might go down there and do a little sprinkling. <laughs> we absolutely will. Again, I know this was short, but Tyler, we really appreciate you coming on. You will be seeing a lot of him if you guys are following any of the social medias. If you're following anything to do with loss of down, you'll be seeing him this week. 
episode 72. I'm sure he'll also be in for a little bit of a recap as well. But Tyler, you got any final thoughts before we get really into draft week? This is our Christmas. Yeah, it is. No, I just want to have fun and uh, hopefully the Browns make some noise here and, and have a good pick on, on day two. Tyler, you're the man. Happy birthday again. Thanks for coming on. Cleveland City of Light, City of Magic. Cleveland City of Light, you're calling me. Thanks again for Tyler for coming out and doing that interview with me again. We're going to be doing a lot of stuff this week in Vegas. We're all going to be out there together, so keep your eye open for that. But again, thanks you, Tyler, for coming on. But, Stephen, you know what time that means it is? We got to get into a little draft talk here right before the day, the week. It's awesome. I can't – I see you looking at your clock. We've got to be right around 72 hours out. It's a little bit less. What First pick is at 8, so really 8.15 because no sports thing in America that can ever start on time. Very true. Uh, with that, we're 72 hours away. And over the past few weeks, it just seems that no one really knows who's going to be that first overall pick. You know, it started off with Aiden Hutchinson. You're getting Akeem Aquanu. I really hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, you got <laughs> Evan Neal getting tossed around. You had Kayvon Thibodeau just the beginning of the year. We had the pro days. We had the draft combine. We had another pro day. I think the man from NC State, Akeem Aquanu. I, I should know that, bro. That's, my, that's the college I like to represent. I think that he's the best bet for Jacksonville. Why not bolster that O-line? They did so many great – or they had so many great moves here in this offseason. Why not keep bolstering that O-line with that number one overall pick? But I want to I want to see what is in the mind of a Wally Luke Gashensky. Who do you think is the number one pick? And do you think Jacksonville could trade out of that potentially with, with it just being kind of up in the air about who's going to be at that pick? Well, I think the important thing to start with here is this is probably the least desirable first overall pick we've seen in 15 or 20 years. So it's going to make it really hard for Jacksonville to trade out unless they got, I mean, there's not going to be a really big package deal out there. People don't want to spend that extra money for this spot, especially in a year like this, where at the very top of the draft, it's perceived to be a little softer. I know Daniel Jeremiah who's about as good at doing mock drafts as you can see out there last year. He had the best of all at the credited guys. He was 16 of 32. 16 is not going to happen again this year. And Daniel Jeremiah, he literally even said that there would be nine or 10 prospects from last year's draft that he would argue would be capable of being number one overall pick this year. Makes it really hard. I think you're going to see Jacksonville actually go towards edge and go with Aiden Hutchinson. It's kind of been the boring pick that we've all kind of decided for them over the last few weeks or months. It's probably the safest pick here. And I mean, when you have as many holes as this team does, having a very good quality number one pick instead of maybe hitting a home run, getting a double, I think that would be a really good move for Jacksonville. So I think Aiden Hutchinson's the guy. I think you can all but pen that in there. Maybe, maybe do pencil just really hard and you have to get the the big old pink eraser out just in case wow well okay well let's move on to the second pick the detroit lions horrible 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 team <laughs> i was gonna say it's really kind of been since like the last decade or two i'm gonna take aiden hudson he's a michigan guy why not come stay home they need something on defense that they talk about a lot of holes to fill this Detroit Lions team has every single hole that they need to fill at every position. But why not go with the edge rusher? He just got the left tackle here last year. Get the premier edge rusher. All of a sudden, he turns out to be something. You have two great players at the top two positions, two of the top three positions that you need to be a successful football team. I like Aiden Hudson, contradicting what Wally just said, at the number two spot. Now, obviously, you had him at number one. Who do you think is going to be the best pick for Detroit? at this number two pick, Walter? Oh, first of all, if Aiden Hutchinson's there, Detroit would love him. It sounds like that would have been, it sounds like they're going edge one way or another right now. For a little while, people thought it was going to possibly be Kyle Hamilton or Sauce Gardner there, but it does look like they'll go edge. I think that it's probably going to end up being Trayvon Walker now. People fell in love with what he did at the Combine. Maybe the production wasn't there, but Detroit believes that they can get a lot out of him. 
I mean, this is an exciting draft for Detroit too. Just a side note, they have two and 32. They have the 34th pick. They have two threes. But what's really exciting is 32 is kind of turned into this quarterback pick in the last few years because you have the fifth-year option tag to it. That's a spot where Detroit can potentially trade down for a team that wants to go get that fifth-year quarterback or fifth-year option for their quarterback. Or perhaps maybe if some of these guys fall farther than what I think they will, maybe Detroit finds himself taking a quarterback at 32 as well. Kind of glad that you brought up the quarterback conversation because there seems to be – there's talks about, oh, there's a lot of quarterback talent here, but no one's really sure about who the first quarterback's going to be. It seems like no one outside of Malik Willis is really rising their stock, and I feel like he's, a, he's an easy one to kick up. That's the first quarterback off, off the board. Who do you think is going to be that first quarterback? Huh. That's a that's a great question because right now we're pretty picking until they got the old hand measurements. It's like, oh, no more for tiny hands. Insert the Whopper commercial here. It's weird because you're seeing people come out and say that there are four different quarterbacks that have been graded one that people have talked to. There's rumors that Carolina, their quarterback they like most is Matt Corral. So there's an outside shot he could be the first quarterback. I don't believe that'll happen. That would be kind of a a Daniel Jones situation a few years ago with the Giants. But everybody's so... Mitch Trubisky a few years before that. Green Bay trading up in the first round to get Jordan Love. Just tell me when to stop. It's not (laughs) crazy to think. When everybody just just believing that this is the year that the quarterbacks are going to fall like they used to like 15, 20 years ago, that's done. That day and age is over. We've seen it now time and time again. We overvalue and teams cannot help themselves when jobs are on the line, whether that be head coach or GMs, everybody in between. Quarterbacks matter. They save jobs. You get a flashy name. You buy time. So the, I, my favorite bet out of everything I've heard this week is total of three and a half quarterbacks going into first round. Everybody's like, oh, my God, there might only be two quarterbacks that go. I think you could have as many as five go in the first round this year. So that's a long way of me getting around to saying it. But don't just assume that the quarterbacks, because they aren't as highly touted, won't go just as early as they do every year. Now, the number three pick is going to be held by the Houston Texans. Uh, the surprise some people, because I was expecting them to be the to have the first overall pick. So for them to pick three, kudos to them. <laughs> Justice for David of, Culley. Yeah. It's, hey, this is for David Culley. Shout out to my, uh, my arch rival, Lovey Smith, who's the head coach here now. Uh, go Packers, you're always a bear in my heart, so I'm always going to hate you. <laughs> Evan Hill as as the best, and honestly, just get the best lineman there, right? You know you already have one of the best linemen in Jeremy, Jeremy Tunsil, gas mask man himself. Why not keep adding to that line? You can bolster that. Help Davis Mills, your rookie quarterback, you're obviously handing the keys to the car to. Help him stay back there because he is proven that he can be a gunslinger. He can throw it. We know that this is one of the weaknesses of many that Houston had last year. But when you have a sure thing, like an Evan Neal offensive line, why not bolster that? Because it all starts with the line. We're fat boys. We all know it always started with us. And if we did bad, the blame was always on us. The offense did bad, blame's on the line. If it's good, the quarterback's playing out of his mind. Who do you think Houston's got the number three pick here? Oh, gosh. I I wanted to say Sauce Gardner really bad because I really, really think that they would love to have a corner. But I think that – it'd be too hard for them to pass up on either a premier edge or a premier tackle here. And I think that this is a beautiful situation for them because they have the 13 pick as well. And I think whatever they don't do at three, they're going to do at 13. So it's just a matter of, do they go Iki Iguanu, your boy from NC state, or do they go maybe cave on Thibodeau here? Or if Trayvon Walker falls, maybe they go there. I'm going to actually believe that this is where you're going to see them go with Iki Iguanu, hopefully hold out for maybe Jermaine Johnson at 13. If not, I there's still really good corners in this draft. I could see them taking a third or a fourth corner at that stage at the 13th pick and then coming back and addressing edge in the second round. So I guess in this moment, I'm going to say Iki Iguanu going three to Houston. Wouldn't be surprised though, maybe Charlie Cross 13 if they want to go the other way around. There we go. We'll talk about Sauce Gardner. That's who I have going to the in the number four slot to the New York Jets. Uh, you, a guy like Robert Sala is going to be salvating, salvating, salvating. I think I got it right. I'm Drilled just a it. moron. 
but he's got to be salivating over a, a player like this of, of Sauce Gardner's talent. I mean, this guy's a stud. He's making his name playing for Cincinnati. Let's be real here. Yes, I know they had a great year. Yes, I know that they were in the college playoff, but you're not going to see them there again. Not at all. Closer, closer to soon than ever. And closer to never than soon. But Sauce Gardner is a problem. Ahmad Gardner, that is. That's, a, that's his government name. I think that he'd be a good plug for for New York. That's a, that's a team that's always prided themselves on defense, that gangrene defense. You know, why not? Bring him in. They're, they already have a couple nice studs. you got C.J. Mosley in linebacker and Corbin when he wants to play. Got the Williams twins there. They're on the D-line as well. Why not add Sa- Sauce Gardner? I think that'd be a good fit. I think he'd make an instant impact with that team. And like I said, I think Robert Sala is going to just enjoy being able to coach up a guy like that and the talent that he has. I am 50-50 on this. I'm really close to going full in and saying I agree with you, Sauce Gardner to New York. But the only other player that I think would be a really good fit for them would be Kyle Hamilton. They tried really hard to go after Jamal Adams a few years ago, thought he was going to be the difference maker at safety for them. And it turned out that he was kind of more of that traditional linebacker style role pass rusher a little bit too you can play him off the edge some I think that Kyle Hamilton can be that game-changing safety that maybe the speed's not there but what people don't understand is the instincts with how fast he can read a play if he's a step or two faster just reading it it kills the 4-4 speed it's the same exact thing he has these instincts that put him wherever the ball is if you watch anything with Notre Dame last year Every single play defensively, he was involved. I think the Jets are going to go there with him. But Joe Douglas, you got to give the guy a little credit because it's been dark days in New York the last couple of years, but he got 10 or that 10th pick as well for the Jamal Adams trade. Who knows? Maybe that they sit back and hopefully get the second or third cornerback there instead. They also have 38 and 111. That was from a Sam Darnold trade as well. I think that with how many picks they have, this is really the domino changing pick of the first round. No matter what they do, and they've got four or five positions they go, it's going to change the philosophy for a lot of teams immediately behind them, no matter what they do. And I think the Jets are a team that can benefit from this draft instantly. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and call them an NFC East competitor, AFC East, excuse me, but this could, this could be that draft that you get those – you know, you got your quarterback last year, it seems. Maybe you get that cornerback that can put you on an island here at number four with Sauce Gardner. Maybe you get a day two wide receiver, potentially, right? So they, they're going to have pieces, and I think this draft can, is going to really determine which way this needle is going to move. And, again, I can't I can't speak any highly any higher of Robert Sala, and I think they can get it done with this draft. Now we're trying out our top five here, the New York fucking Giants. Now, I, I think this is the easiest pick that they can have or the easiest player that they can pick, the best offensive lineman available. I'm not even that big of a draft guy myself, but I know that they need to get any top-tier offensive lineman that is still available. Who's that going to be? I don't know. Is it going to be Evan Neal? Maybe it's going to be Charles Cross, like you said. Maybe, maybe it's going to be Akeem from NC State. I don't know, but there's a plethora of offensive linemen that they can choose from. And this is a problem that they haven't had just these past years since they've won the Super Bowl over a decade ago. They cannot protect the quarterback. So I got to go to Charlie Cross number five. I wouldn't hate that. I, you're right. It's going to be an offensive tackle here. I think they really want Iki Iguanu from everything that anybody that's been plugged in with the New York at all, everything has been Iki Iguanu. It's kind of like the Steelers and Malik Willis. They, these teams seem to be married to these players. And that's where I had Houston earlier taking Iki Iguanu. And I think that if that were to happen, the Giants would probably be more inclined to take the safer pick and Evan Neal. God, it's tough. I really wanted to say they get Iguanu just because it seems like they're so much in love. But if in this scenario, I'm actually avoiding Charles Cross. I think I'm going to go with Evan Neal for the Giants at five. Well, the only reason I had to avoid Evan Neal is I already had him off the board there. True. Yeah. This is kind of a throwback draft in terms of you're going to see in the first 12-ish picks, you're going to see probably seven or eight of them being edge or offensive tackles. So I do want to ask you this question. This one's kind of a little bit off the cusp, but we had some news today that Ronnie Staley, the offensive tackle for the Baltimore Ravens, is medically cleared to return to the team now. I think I believe he played in one game last year, but he had 
a reoccurring ankle injury that had to, that he had to get surgery for, I think, believe back-to-back season. So he hasn't really played a lot. But with him being medically cleared, if all goes well, that checks that box of that offensive tackle. Where do you see Baltimore kind of wiggling and, and eyeing down if they don't have to worry about the offensive lineman anymore? That's an awesome question. I didn't expect that from you. But yet, that, what they have right now is they have nine picks in the top four rounds. If they believe that Ronnie Stanley is going to be healthy enough to play, then all of a sudden they really don't have that many needs on this team. We talked last week about how this is one of the most injury depleted teams in 20 years. If you're talking about man games lost with that, I think they can kind of afford to kind of go best player available. I wouldn't even be entirely surprised to see them move a lot, whether it be up or down names that I've seen a lot of people talk about. You could have seen them go as high as Tyler Lindenbaum early in this draft. They were probably the highest point for them. But if they avoid him, they could even go into second round and take a Cam Jurgens. people that uh, were Big Ten fans probably remember him. Nasty, nasty center out of uh, Nebraska. And he can move and he can play both uh, interior offensive line, whether it be guard or center. So I think that I would probably oh – God, if we're saying tackle's fine. We're going to either say interior offensive line – or maybe a corner, maybe like a, a Trent McDuffie right there at 13 or so. They've kind of got a great luxury if you're Baltimore to kind of go a little crazy. They can even they could be one of the players for Jamison Williams, try to get a speed guy and yep. plug and play him in an offense that desperately needs a spark in the passing game. A lot of options for Baltimore. Now, a lot of the wide receivers I've named that talk about shifting everywhere. We've seen Chris Olave, you know, that was that was Green Bay's guy for a little bit, but he seems he's going to be off the board a little bit soon as well as your boy Garrett Wilson. We don't know what Traylon Burks is going to look like. Jameson Williams coming off that ACL injury. So he's he was dropping. Now all of a sudden the stock is rising here a little bit. I'm seeing him in the top 10, top 15, kind of depends where you go. Gun to your head, wide receiver you want on your team right now. I want to say – You have to fucking worry about that position, but I'm just saying <laughs> – I want to say Garrett Wilson, obviously, is an Ohio State Buckeye fan. I do think he's the most complete wide receiver in this draft class. A lot of it depends, too, on what kind of wide receiver you need. You hear people talk about building a basketball team at the wide receiver position. And what people mean by that, it's not just having tall guys. You want to really have – you have that possession wide receiver, that guy that can be a threat in the red zone. You want to have that really talented slot receiver that can be shifty, little squirrely. You also want to have that guy that's got the sure hands, might be a little smaller, the Chris Olave type. So it depends. Like That's why teams like Atlanta, for instance, you're going to hear the names Garrett Wilson and Drake London nonstop. But then the very the next few picks. We, I, mean, I was just going to say, the next few picks, you can even see – a guy that might be seventh or eighth on the list, like a Jahan Dotson, really sneak up and be a guy because they know that he can play all over the field. Traylon Burks, people think, talk about Debo Samuel. He's a guy that can kind of be Debo Samuel and play out of the backfield. He can line up in the slot. He can line up out wide. So I think Garrett Wilson's the most complete wide receiver, albeit you've heard me say it for probably three weeks now. Jamison Williams scares the shit out of me because I think he's going to be a Kansas City Chief, and I think that he's probably got the highest that. ceiling out of all these guys. Yeah. yeah, I know you don't want that. Now, we know there's a lot of – there's a few teams that have at least two first-round picks here. Mm-hmm. But the number one – the team that stands out to me with the biggest need right now, New Orleans Saints with the quarterback. Now, you know that we were talking about the Eagles trade, that they're both – Eagles and Saints have both traded with each other to both have two picks within the top – 19 i want to say 19 or like 20 picks something like that now i i want to x out philly do you see new orleans potentially making a big splash taking those two converting up to move up in the draft to get a quarterback them trading to get into the middle of the first round a month outside the draft was so confusing because it it felt like a move that was preparing for another move now the philly it made sense for new orleans it definitely i'm like okay this this really isn't adding up. Obviously, you're you're stacking up some picks here. You're right, it's... though. Philadelphia, dude, that was a home run for them. We we joked around Howie yeah. Roseman. It was Howie being Howie there. For the Saints, we just were like, all right, well, this is weird. This has to mean that they are going to package, what, 16 and 19 to go yep. up 
and get a quarterback. Now that we're getting a little closer to the draft, I don't know. Maybe they just wanted to move up, make sure they were in position for one of these high profile wide receivers. Cause one of them has to fall. Cause there's so many of them. I'd still think that they're one of the favorites to move up and get a quarterback. I, I think it's almost this game of Russian roulette with teams like the Steelers teams, like Atlanta. You can even say teams like Carolina on the other end, where's the first quarterback going to go? Cause I think as soon as you start seeing one, it's going to be falling into that. That's old trap. It starts. Exactly. I'm calling it right now. They're packaging. They're getting Malik Willis. They're going to package and get Malik Willis. If a team packages picks to get Malik Willis, I still think it's Pittsburgh. I think it's Pittsburgh. They got Mr. Bisky. What are they worried about? (laughs) I just know Mike Tomlin is apparently glowing about this guy. You've heard heard Daniel Jeremiah, Mark Sessler, all these guys at NFL connected that do these interviews, whether it be during the what combine process, the draft lead up process. No one in Pittsburgh is shining. Happy horse shit. Yeah, and nobody in Pittsburgh is even denying this love for Malik Willis. It's like widely accepted. Uh Like, yeah, Tomlin loves him, but will we be able to to wait around and get him at 20? As if, for the longest time, we'd said the Steelers don't trade up in the first round. They just don't do it. Then the Devin Bush trade happened. Then then the uh, Mika Fitzpatrick deal happened. Like, all these kind of things are starting to tie together to make me think that there's a real possibility that the Steelers could whether this get to like pick seven or eight, maybe they call Atlanta or maybe they call Carolina. You're, you actually don't want to marry yourself to one of these quarterbacks. Come take pick 20. We'll give you next year's second round pick. I mean, Pittsburgh might even do next year's first and that, but I, I do mean, think we'll, it's Pittsburgh. We'll, we'll see how, we'll see how much in love they are. Cause like you said, it's that time of the year that their love for a player, especially if you're, if you're that wooed by him, it doesn't matter. You're going to move up and get it. You saw what Atlanta did to get Julio so many years ago, and you know I can name off a plethora of teams. I just can't think of it right now because I'm an absolute moron. With that, that's going to bring us to another episode of Loss of Down. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms at Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, Loss of Down, as well as our Twitter, down underscore loss. Make sure you guys are keeping your eyes on that all weekend because yours truly, Mr. Walter Lukashensky, will be there. He will be posting, hopefully, and he will be getting up on that stage and flexing the fat at two-week fit. Wally, safe travels. Be safe. Always hit when the dealer's showing a, a soft or a hard six, and then uh, that's really all the bad information. I You're can doing you. great. <laughs> no, but, dude, I'm excited. Yeah, definitely keep an eye up because uh, we will – be hopefully throwing out pictures or stuff or maybe reactions who knows but it's it, i'm best week of the year you guys hear me say it every single time we we do this now and i i don't know i something about it being in vegas has me more excited than ever before not only just because it's vegas but it's the raiders home now so this is i'm like giddy truly giddy about what's as coming this week be. as you should be wally have a blast i can't wait be safe, get wasted, win money, lose money. At the end of the day, have an amazing time. Ah, oh, you're the best. I can't wait. You're and if man. you see another video come out, you know that the man survived Vegas himself. So we'll see you next week. Wally will see you all weekend. And I better be getting that FaceTime from when the Packers first pick so I can show you how pissed off I am when they take a fucking linebacker at number 22. Oh, you can't wait. Packers are rumored to be trying to trade for Darren Waller. I don't know. God, I, I love imagine, me some Darren. Can you imagine him with an actual competent quarterback? <laughs> <laughs>